This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Stand with Amazon P. Now, Donald Trump's legal problems have been well chronicled, and today one of them became more real, as it were. It's the case in which he is accused of paying hush money to adult actress Stormy Daniels. A trial date was set today. Mr. Trump will stand trial on March 25th. The trial is expected to last around six weeks. Of course, at that stage, He should be clear of Super Tuesday, which is the Republican nomination race when this matter will be decided. He seems certain to be the Republican nominee. However, it's a very serious case. And whilst Mr. Trump won't necessarily be found guilty or indeed go to prison if he is found guilty, he could be found guilty and he could receive a big fine or spend some time in prison. And that's, of course, just one of Mr. Trump's woes. And we're joined now from Washington by Niall Stanich. Niall is associate editor of The Hill, a very respected Washington newspaper, for being neither Republican or Democrat or being partisan in any way. And Niall is associate editor and also White House columnist for The Hill. Niall, the... Stormy Daniels' case is perhaps, on the scale of things, one of the least worrying of the trials that Donald Trump could face. Nevertheless, it's a dangerous situation by any standards, isn't it? Yes, I agree with you on both points. Uh, To take the element of seriousness, first of all, the Stormy Daniels case, which also involves a former Playboy model by the name of Carol McDougall, is relating to the alleged falsification of business records. That's the actual charge. Basically, the idea being that money that uh, Trump or the Trump organization paid a kind of fixer to figure this out was misleadingly labeled to try to conceal its true purpose. That obviously, if proven, is a criminal offence. There are 34 counts of that offence in the indictment. Each one, theoretically, would carry a maximum term of four years' imprisonment, although no one expects four times 34 to be the consequence of this case, even if Mr. Trump is found guilty. Nonetheless, 
the issue really is that you could have uh, the nominee of a major party and a former American president uh, convicted of a criminal offence. That would, of course, be the first time in history that has ever happened, and uh, that is the core of the danger to Mr. Trump. Yeah, falsifying business records, I think, mm-hmm. is on the charge sheet somewhere. Now, just to move back to last Saturday night, when something very grave took place, he was making a speech to his MAGA supporters in South Carolina, and during that speech, he went off script, and he asserted that he was exasperated by NATO, and some of the countries were falling short, many of them, in his view, of the commitment to make payments. 2% of your GDP is the payment required. And indeed, he's not wrong in that regard. But he said he had told them that if NATO was in a position where one of its members was attacked by Russia and Vladimir Putin, he said, and I'm quoting, that they could go to hell and Putin could do whatever the hell he wanted. Caused shock in Europe. It was a moment which gave us an insight into the world that might ensue if Donald Trump retakes the White House next November. Niall, have I described that properly? But it's caused grave misgivings in Europe. Yeah, and understandably so. Um, the, the fact that he's saying this sort of thing, and particularly his use of the word encourage Russia yes. to do whatever it likes in the context, now to be clear, of a, any country or NATO member nation that did not pay its dues. Trump's argument appears to be, if you don't pay into the pot or if you're short of that 2% figure, that's just tough. And if Russia attacks you, that would be almost a good thing in his mind because it would be punishment for this financial uh, delinquency. Obviously, that was very, very controversial. I mean, it would be controversial at any time, particularly so when Ukraine is obviously under real pressure in its attempts to uh, rebuff the invasion uh, by Russia. And while you know, Mr. Putin appears to be gaining the upper hand in part because there's such a logjam here in the United States and further aid to Ukraine is so in danger. And we should perhaps say, Eamon, that President Biden did punch back at these comments, uh, really talked about the fact that, uh, in his view, it was an un-American signal to the world, is the direct quote from Biden, about the impact of a former president and perhaps at least plausible future president uh, making such a remark. How reflective, Niall, of American public opinion is this what some might see as a drift towards isolationism that has taken place, even irrespective of Trump? Is there a drift towards isolationism that, for example, and it's the prime example, Mm. would have kept the United States out of the Second World War? Mm. and? You know, it was Roosevelt who insisted, but there were very powerful and influential voices like the former ambassador to London, John F. Kennedy's father, Joseph Kennedy, who were against what Roosevelt decided to do, which was to join with 
the Allies and confront Adolf Hitler. Mm. So we're not talking here small potatoes. No, we're certainly not. And to your point about the comparison uh, with World War II, one of the things that is often brought up there is America first, which is, of course, a big Trump slogan, has been used before in American history, most famously by uh, the noted aviator Charles Lindbergh, who was around at that time, was very famous because of his uh, um, flight across the Atlantic and became this kind of weird isolationist, um, certainly accused Nazi sympathizer, who was making the argument that the United States should have stayed out of the Second World War. Now, in relation to the broader uh, topic of Uh, isolationism. Yes, that has certainly, I think, increased significantly in recent years, and sometimes for uh, valid or at least understandable reasons. What I'm referring to there, of course, are the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, which exacted an enormous price from the United States, and of course from the populations of Iraq and Afghanistan, in terms of loss of life and in terms of uh, financial expenditure. So in that sense, it's not that surprising in some ways that the U.S. has uh, become more skeptical of foreign entanglements. Um, The problem, I think, is that that has become uh, much more uh, broadly questioned. For example, there was a poll, uh, I'm just looking at this, just uh, released yesterday, where 30% of the population wanted to decrease military aid to Ukraine, as opposed to 25% who wanted to increase it, and 28% wanted to stay the same. Uh, The notable thing about that poll, Eamon, is the proportion of Republican voters who wanted to decrease military aid to Ukraine was roughly four times as high as among Democrats. 45% of Republicans wanting to decrease military aid. And when you add to Iraq, Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. and the humiliation of their retreat, but also the reasoning is we have spent too much blood and treasure, Mm. being the phrase, on other people's wars to our own detriment. Mm -hmm. You can make a respectable argument about that. You can. and Yes, and you wouldn't have to be, you know, somebody like Donald Trump to make that argument. So to some extent, there's something there that didn't arrive with the Donald. No, that's right. I mean, there are, there are, I think, a couple of separate strands that sort of come together in this. One is the more uh, respectable argument, I think, that, that you just outlined, which takes a cue from Iraq and Afghanistan, but also points to the very significant problems that the United States has domestically, uh, failing infrastructure, um, still difficulties with standards of education, particularly in lower-income areas, uh, standards of schooling, I mean, uh, the provision of health care to certain people who still don't have it despite the Affordable Care Act. So there's a legitimate argument to be made for sure that there are more pressing needs at home the problem is that that tends to get intermingled with a sort of a Trumpian xenophobia sometimes yes. or a, an isolationism that really suggests uh, problems elsewhere in the world just don't matter and stuff them and we'll do our own thing. And that seems to be the um, mentality that is driving particularly Republican skepticism about aid to Ukraine. And, you know, 
you and I have, I know, spoken about this before, Eamon, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if the US cuts or greatly depletes aid to Ukraine, Ukraine's screwed. Like, the Ukrainians are going to lose in that situation. It's just as simple as that. Yes, and to go to another, in some ways, more troubling conflict between Israel and Hamas, in that particular case, Biden appears, and America really, appears to be being somewhat humiliated by Benjamin Netanyahu. They keep sending the Secretary of State. He's been there six times now. He keeps coming back with no result. Hmm. And there are negotiations taking place as we as we speak in Cairo, I think, where they're trying to persuade Israel not to go to Rafa, where the remaining one million plus Palestinians are herded into desperate circumstances, desperate space, desperate for food, no medicine, orphans, widows, whole families devastated, maybe one child left. This terrible, grotesque example of warfare, the Americans can't appear to get Netanyahu to stop. No, and it's not entirely clear how hard they're trying, we might add as well, because right. the point of the fact is that there has been a stiffening of rhetoric by Biden. He described the Israeli response to the October 7th attack as over the top recently, for example. Yeah, it's not, it's not exactly the sternest <laughs> condemnation now. It's a phrase we use in football. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty uh, thin porridge, to say the yes. least. Um, now, the thing about that is... Uh, that goes hand in hand with the fact that Biden has advocated for uh, a bill that has recently passed the Senate, although still has to pass the House, which would include $14 billion in aid, new aid to Israel, which of course is already a massive recipient of US aid. The yes. left of the Democratic Party have argued that there should be conditions imposed upon that aid. They have not won that argument. Biden has held out against that argument. And in fact, at a, a White House press briefing just earlier this week, I uh, was pressing John Kirby, the spokesperson for the National Security yes. Council, on this topic about the difference between words and actions. Um, I mean, people can see Mr. Kirby's response if they like. I didn't think that he really seemed receptive to the argument that there should be action rather than words. Now, for Americans at large, the Israeli-Palestine situation is what, now? Is it a vote loser or a vote winner? It appears from my perspective, which is a long way from where you are, Mm. and a lot less informed, I'm sure, that it's a loser for Biden in a big way. Is it a winner for Trump? And am I right about Biden? I don't... Is it a winner for Trump is a question I would have to think about. I, I don't think it is necessarily, but I do think it is a loser for Biden in the sense that... It is one of the very few issues right now that cuts across partisan lines in any significant way, in the sense that Democrats are very split on the topic. We're now seeing a plurality of Democrats in polling sympathizing overall with the Palestinians rather than the Israelis. There are, of course, still Democrats who do sympathize more with the Israelis. But the problem for Biden is threefold. It hurts him with young voters. 
It hurts him with black voters who are more inclined to be sympathetic to the Palestinians. And it hurts him in the key swing state of Michigan, which is one of about half a dozen states that will decide the election. Michigan has a sizable Arab-American population. For Trump or for any Republican, the electoral calculus just isn't that complicated because they're people support the Israelis. So you just support the Israelis and there's no real downside to doing so because the the people who sympathize with the Palestinians aren't going to be voting for a Republican anyway. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now, now, Mr. Trump's problems with the courts in 91 criminal charges altogether he faces. Mm. It's a bit more complicated than it was a week ago, to our knowledge, because the district attorney in Georgia has apparently run into trouble a lawyer that she gave, she appointed to this trial, has now, it emerged, been her lover and for longer than she admitted initially, according to a close friend of hers, 2022 is when they, she said they became involved. 2019 is when one of her close friends say they became involved and that puts her in real trouble. And that trial also involves Meadows, who was chief of staff, and several others, including Rudy Giuliani, and in many ways is the most, well, the most potent 
Well, it's certainly among the most wide-ranging. The prosecutor yes. we're referring to is uh, Fanny Willis, who's arguing that there was essentially a corrupt conspiracy in her state to overturn the results of the election. Yes. You've correctly outlined the the personal embarrassment that she is now in. And um, we're talking actually on Thursday as this hearing is ongoing in Georgia because a uh, one of the people accused, not Trump himself, but a, a co-defendant, is seeking to have Fannie Willis disqualified from this case on the basis of this relationship and the payments uh, that were made, official payments. I mean, we're not talking about under the table no, stuff no. yet, but nonetheless, the question is whether this uh, man was, was in some way inappropriately appointed. Uh, because of his relationship with her. Um, it is uh, embarrassing for her, as I say, on a personal level. It also does raise the sort of question that, yes, even though this does not affect the underlying evidence, anyone who goes up against a former president of the United States in a major case has to know that their own conduct will be uh, subject to the most severe scrutiny. So, um, appointing a lawyer with whom you're in a relationship sort of semi-covertly or privately um, seems ill-advised, but, you know, people do ill-advised things in their lives all the time, I suppose. It's just a, it's a tricky situation. Yes. Now, the other, and it's always seemed to me more ominous, legal case against Donald Trump has been formulated and prosecuted by Jack Smith who was brought into the Department of Justice to work on the Trump case. It's about January 6th. It's about obstruction of justice. It's about the insurrection. And Smith has been very economical. There's just one charge, as I understand it. And he seems to be a very formidable fellow. And this case is being heard in Washington. Mm. And are we quite close to the Supreme Court having to make a decision that would be difficult for Trump and his lawyers to use the tactic of delay. We are, yes, because the Supreme Court is really, at this point, the option of last resort for Trump. It is a, an option, of course, that he is trying to exercise. And he is trying to get the Supreme Court to say that presidents have blanket immunity for things that they do while in office. That seems on its face a difficult argument uh, to make for fairly obvious reasons. It is a fairly central tenet of American law that uh, everyone is subject to the law. But Jack Smith wants the Supreme Court to move quickly one way or another. Smith's argument is that the public have a, obviously a pressing interest in seeing this case resolved um, before the election, given that it seems certain that Trump will be the Republican nominee. And therefore, the Supreme Court needs to do one of two things. One, it could simply decline to hear the case, which it often does, uh, and that would leave the lower court's decision standing. That lower court's argue, uh, holding is that Trump is not immune from prosecution. On the other hand, the Supreme Court could take the case. Obviously, if it does that, Jack Smith would hope that it would reaffirm that lower court ruling it could uh, rule the other way. Uh, just in passing, I mean, there is more than more than one charge: the obstruction of an official proceeding and a denial of rights, and a couple of other things. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, now, but I I knew that it was a simpler, shall we say, yeah, case than the one in Georgia, which right. is vast. 
just to go back to that, the court in Washington has already found the three judges found against Trump unanimously mm-hmm. in a motion. Was that that motion was, I take it, about his immunity because he was president? That's correct. That was his initial appeal against a finding that he could be prosecuted. And the three judges said, yes, you can be prosecuted, including in, uh, one of those judges, uh, a nominee of uh, the elder George H.W. Bush. So one Republican and two Democratic judges. So at what speed is that likely to go to the Supreme Court? And how long will they take reflecting on it and writing their judgments? So the short and honest answer is we don't really know. Now, Jack Smith is pushing for it to be resolved very soon. If you read between the lines, he's clearly hoping that it could be resolved by maybe late next month or the end of April at the latest. Then he will need to go back, assuming he wins, he prevails in the sense that Trump is not immune from prosecution. Then that would still provide time for the trial to take place because the, I know this gets complicated with the different layers of the judicial system, but the actual judge presiding over the January the 6th case, Judge Tanya Chutkin, had originally set a date in early March for the trial to begin. That has has been held up because of this appeals process. Now, the importance of all of these cases Isn't there polling, Niall, that shows that if Trump is found guilty in any one of these criminal trials, there will be severe consequences at the polls, even amongst people who would otherwise be inclined to vote for him? There is indeed. There's polling from certainly a few weeks back that was focused on those six or seven battleground states that I alluded to earlier. And that polling found that a significant number, I believe it was 53%, though I'm going from memory, would not vote for Trump if he were convicted. That same polling showed right now Trump with a, a lead over Biden, the margin of which escapes me right now. But The issue is that there would seemingly be a reflexive action by that tiny sliver of the population who are persuadable one way or another between Trump and Biden that that you simply couldn't have a convicted criminal as president of the United States. Now, now, just before we let you go, the case for standing Joe Biden down or him standing himself down It hasn't gone away this week. It's, it seems to me to have increased, really. He has made more mistakes. And this fella, Haw, who is a lawyer, who talked to him about documents he had taken when he was vice president after he left the Obama White House, he found that Biden was not guilty Unlike Donald Trump, Biden played by the book and Ho found him not guilty. However, he added a rider and many people are outraged by this. The rider was that in Ho's opinion, and I'm broadly, roughly quoting, paraphrasing, the court would likely find that Joe Biden was a well-meaning old man with a very poor memory And on those grounds, we find him not guilty. Mm. Have I roughly represented 
the situation there. That has caused immense damage and a charge levelled against the lawyer Ho, who was a, a Trump appointee, that he went above and beyond his brief. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the finding certainly has caused problems because it has put the issue of Biden's age in center stage once again. And I mean, that that document or that uh, finding that you mentioned was, was interesting because really his argument, the special counsel's argument was that uh, that a jury wouldn't find Biden guilty because yes. they would just sort of think, who's this sort of old guy who can't remember anything? Um, it then sparked a press conference from Biden, which also wasn't great because that conference was A, angry, but B, more to the point, designed to prove his cognitive acuity. And, and during it, he <laughs> mixed up the yes. president of Mexico um, with the uh, president of Egypt. So that wasn't great. Um, so that has led to certainly more speculation about is there any way that uh, Biden would stand aside. I think it's highly unlikely, unless there's a massive uh, further health event, that he would stand aside. Uh, And if he does not do so, it's, in my judgment, almost impossible to defeat him because you would then be challenging an incumbent president of your own party. And that historically has not worked out very well. Yes, and he does seem physically to my eye now, to be frailer by a noticeable amount Mm. in the last 12 months. Yes, I mean, I think there's a lot of polling that suggests that a lot of Americans agree with you. The numbers of people who now say that they don't believe he could effectively serve a second term are massive. I mean, varies from poll to poll, of course, but it's around about 75%. So, you know, that is a massive danger to Biden in this re-election campaign. Because yes. if, if anywhere near that number of people simply regard his age as disqualifying, and it's worth saying, I mean, you know, not just the age on his birth certificate, it is the perception of physical and mental frailty that's yes. the damaging thing. And if that becomes a disqualifying fact for too many voters, then that's kind of game over, honestly. Okay, now we're very grateful to you as always for joining us from Washington. Nat Stanich is Associate Editor of The Hill, a very good Washington newspaper, and his work is outstanding. And we're very grateful to him, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.